Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bar Podcast. Nothing but illustrious guests. I'm sitting in the studio with PM. Hey, hey. And Jesse. Yo, what's going on? New year, new intro. Um, we are glad to be back. We know it's been a while. Uh, we know you missed us. Come on. We, we know it. We missed you, too. We've gotten the emails. Uh, yeah, we've, we've, we have gotten emails and comments and, and tweets and Instagram posts and all the stuff. We see it all. Uh, we see everybody talking about how we're missing. We did not. There's no need to put out an Amber Alert for us. We're good. Yeah, we're here. We're <laughs> we here. are here. Um, Back in the studio, ready to drop. Some fresh new content. Fresh new content. Feeling good about this new year. Um, today, we are going to talk about... Leadership development. Leadership development. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That is. You sure about that, Jay? (laughs) (laughs) I was just looking at the board, and I I saw a bunch of words on there, and I just got confused. I think it's because I left my glasses at the house. You know what happens when you leave me alone with a whiteboard? (laughs) (laughs) I get to brainstorming. Um, we know that we know that a lot of the content that we talk about on here is specifically around leadership development. Um, but we really wanted to talk about. How we develop leaders. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think as as we're stepping into this new year, we, we really want to be intentional about how we draw the connection between the Bible and what we do in our everyday practices. For sure. Yeah, I, uh, I'm conscious and, and I know that there's lots of leadership development material. And I draw a lot of leadership development material from secular inspiration, you know, people who are not necessarily pastors, people who don't lead churches, but people that just lead successful companies. I know one of our favorite podcasts that we listen to is How I Built This, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so just learning things from CEOs and from from business, Um, even right now, like I'm pursuing my MBA. So I'm, uh, I'm big on listening to the latest content from people outside of the church. However, I do believe that there is a biblical standard and a biblical model for raising up leaders. Um, And I just want to talk about that, right? So Jesus, our standard, you know, Jesus is a pretty big deal, okay? Uh, Jesus is called into the ministry. He's baptized, all right? He's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's off in the wilderness. And the first thing he does is he gathers disciples to him. He gets 12 guys who he's going to do life with, who he's going to train, who he's going to develop, who he's going to disciple, who's going to follow him around. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, Jesus could have done everything that God assigned him to do in those three years. He could have done it by himself. Yep. Okay. Talk about a leader with a high capacity. All right. Talk about someone um, with just an insane amount of everything you could need. Okay. He's healing people. He's literally walking on water, all right? Like, just showing up places. Jesus could have done everything he did, you know, on his own. And sometimes it's like, man, these disciples are just, like, getting in the way of, like, what's going on, (laughs) right? Um, And I think think that I want to just say this quote that a lot of you probably know. Uh, I say it all the time to our team is that, you know, if you want to go fast, you can go alone. But if you want to go far, you've got to bring a team. Yeah, that's good. And so I think that Jesus wasn't necessarily concerned with going fast, but going far. Yeah. Okay. Because the message of Jesus has lasted 2,000 years. 
right? We're sitting around this table right now, or you're wherever you are, because of a decision that Jesus made to train, develop, disciple other people to do what it is that he was doing. And I think that has to be something that's not just trendy, it's mm-hmm. not just successful, mm-hmm. but it's a biblical conviction. Right? Yep. The Bible says uh, we are supposed to raise up disciples and train people on how to lead yeah. and how to preach and how to carry the mission of God forward. And so that's a conviction. That's not just like a quick tip to grow your youth ministry. That has to be a conviction that you feel from the Holy Spirit that you're like, man, the Bible says I need to do this, so I'm going to do it. It's much like forgiveness. Yeah. I don't ever feel like forgiving people. Come on. <laughs> Let's be real, right? No one feels like forgiving people. But there's a conviction around it. Yeah. We're convicted around it. We're saying, man, the Lord's not going to forgive me unless I forgive others. And in that moment, what you feel is conviction. There are tons of times where I'm like, I don't feel like giving an offering at church, right? But there's a conviction. And I think that when it comes to leadership development, every leader has a high capacity. And you can do whatever it is that you're doing alone. And you can mm. go fast. Yep. You yeah. can go real fast alone. But there's got to be a conviction that when we say far, far means that the work that God's given you to do now may outlast you. And so we've got three things that we feel like Jesus did. And um, I want Jesse to kind of tackle the first one. Yeah. So obviously when Jesus first began his ministry, he went out and he sought 12 people, yeah, 12 guys, and, and he essentially built his team. He drafted his guys <laughs> Good recruitment uh, plans. <laughs> yep, onto his team. And, uh, and most importantly, what he did with those first guys, uh, those first 12 guys, was that he trusted them. Yeah. He established yeah. this relationship of trust uh, amongst him and them. And, and as you can see, uh, as the story goes on, they began to trust each other because I mean this these are 12 guys that are from all different walks of life and they even were from areas of life that conflicted with areas of life of the of other parts of the 12 yeah totally and Matthew is a conservative tax collector yep okay and Judas Iscariot is a as a rebel a very liberal politically they would have disagreed all the time. Yep. Lots of disagreements around uh, the campfire fish fry. <laughs> so what's <laughs> lots of fish fries. <laughs> so what's really important here is that Jesus establishes trust with these guys and as a result they establish trust with one another. Yeah. I think that um, one of the things that I, I want to just get out there and encourage leaders with is that if you are a control freak. Uh, if you're someone who's never gonna relinquish trust or relinquish power to other leaders, then you're gonna you're gonna have a problem. And uh, I think that we we kind of put it up here on the board. A culture of leadership is a culture of trust, and trust is not possible without risk. Amen. Um, 
And so I know for me, right, as any leader, you know, you kind of if if it goes bad one time, it kind of the temptation is to not trust again. You know, if somebody says, yeah, I'm going to be the best volunteer you've ever had. And then they leave the church. Right. It's like, well, screw you. And <laughs> I'm never believing anyone again when they say that they're going to be an awesome volunteer. Right. Sure. And as leaders, we all have people that say they're committed or they're sold out to the vision or they love the church. And then they get offended or their season is over or they get an opportunity and they leave. And I think the temptation is to not trust again. And honestly, there have been leaders that come to World Overcomers or that come to One Life. And my commitment or my conviction has always been I'm not going to treat Jesse or Justin uh, in, in accordance with how some other leader, you know, my hurt feelings or my disappointment around a leader who may was here or left and some sometimes we carry that baggage around as leaders for sure and it's hard to trust it's because you know it's almost like it's like rebounding like after a relationship you know (laughs) and it can't be that way we've got to trust until someone breaks that trust instead of making people have to prove that they're trustworthy Yeah. yeah um so i like to give lots of trust at the beginning and like if if that trust is going to get taken away, it's going to be because of something you did. I'm not going to make you audition for my trust. Sure. Yeah. And I think that leadership has to happen in real life scenarios. Right. We can't scrimmage with people that we're we're trying to, like, give trust to. Yeah, that's really good. Um, it's like real game situations with real risk. So when we have Chelsea Rose, who's uh, when we put her up to lead worship as a 13-year-old or as a 12-year-old, there's real risk. There's hundreds of teenagers that are at risk of a bad experience, right? Yeah. When we let a sophomore named Jayon preach for the first time, there's real risk involved, yep. right? When we allow Jordan. people... Jordan, who, exhorting. Jordan King exhorting, literally, this Wednesday night. I made a decision. I'm not going to go up before, you know, it's my time to get called up to preach. I'm not going to go up and exhort during the worship experience but I'm going to let our teenagers handle it. There's real risk. Yep. And so you can't develop people if you don't trust them and you can never establish trust if you're not willing to risk. Mm-hmm. So number two, Jay. <laughs> After Jesus trusts him, um, well, once he establishes a relationship with trust, a relationship of trust with the 12, he decides that he wants to develop them. Yeah. And a big part of that development was discipleship. And one of the things that we can learn from this is that development is very hard to happen without the commitment of discipleship. That's good. Sure. Uh, You know, we see there's, there's definitely a certain level of, of trust in development, but there's also a level of spending time and learning the spirit behind what, and why people do what and what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, why they made the decisions that they make. Exactly. I know that from spending the discipleship time, not just the laugh and record and play and and win Settlers of Catan hey, time. Hey, you just happen to be on a PM. small street. Hey, um, hey. <laughs> that, that, that I spent with PM. <laughs> there is, there's a lot of discipleship and there's a lot of, there, there are a lot of conversations about why he leads the way he leads and why he and why he why he does why he treats people the way he treats people and that's a part of the discipleship that yeah and and we see that with jesus a lot for sure yep everything from miracles and lessons and 
you know, taking even the three, Peter, James, and John, like Mm -hmm. get a different experience than the rest of the disciples, you know? I think that I would say this one statement, and I think um, this is a conviction that I have, okay? I refuse to develop someone professionally or develop them as a leader if they don't want me to disciple them as a person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to develop your public skills if you don't want me to disciple your private life. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you, if you're refusing to let me in, in terms of discipling who you are, then I don't care about developing what you do. Yeah. Right. Because it's going to be very, very impossible to give you critique and feedback on what you do if we don't get to the root of your identity and who you are and who you For are in sure. Christ sure. or your faith or your discernment and your spiritual gifts and, you know, sin or habitual habits in your life. Like, yeah. so for all of us, literally, I have had leaders who have wanted me to develop them in terms of, I want to be a better youth leader. And then I start talking about their private life and you can tell they get uncomfortable. And it's like, well, I'm not going to develop you within the system of our youth ministry because I can't just develop you as a leader. Leadership is not something you do. Yeah. Leadership is who you are, right? You're anointed, you're called to be a leader. And um, I think that if you just look at Jesus's model for developing the, the 12, he's like, hey, go out, heal the sick, right? <laughs> like, go heal people. And then at one point, the, the, the dad whose son is possessed by a demon comes back and is like... They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, they failed. <laughs> right? And what is Jesus saying? He says, he used it as a teaching moment. And he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. How long am I going to be with this unbelieving generation? Yeah, yeah. You have little faith. Now he's trying to not just develop their gift to heal, but he's trying to disciple a heart of faith. Yeah. And he's not just developing them to be people who can do a task, but he's discipling who they are. Faith comes from the inside. And he says, hey, this doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. Hey, I'm trying to develop within you, disciple within you, a conviction around prayer, around fasting, around spiritual activities. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times we're like, Jesus, teach me how to heal. But we don't want to really be you know reflective about man our own rhythms of prayer our own rhythms of fasting the faith that comes from inside mm-hmm. um and of course Jesus saves the day he heals the, he heals the the demon possessed guys you know son and also deals with that dad's faith yeah and i think that that's how we the conviction that we should have around developing people you yeah. know and Jesse Number third, number third, number third, <laughs> number third. So number third is the fact <laughs> that the entire reason Jesus is discipling and developing and trusting these guys is that he knows that he's going to leave them one day. Yeah. He knows that he's not going to be here forever. And for this ministry to continue on, these guys have to be equipped and resourced with the things that will allow them to do so. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for example, by the time Jesus is gone, we see that they're able to heal the sick. Yeah. But who knows if that would have been the case if they hadn't taken the chance and failed that one time. Yeah. Um, and we see that their their faith and their boldness is has been increased. Yeah. You know, they, they don't shy away from uh, from spreading the gospel. Uh, they're, they're no longer just... Uh, watching and trying on from time to time. Uh, they're no longer just observers. 
um, sitting on the sideline, but now uh, they know that this is their time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, it, the the fact is is that uh, somebody was starting before Tom Brady was, and uh, and he ultimately had to leave. We don't remember um, who that was for for an injury, and uh, and I soon believe that Tom Brady will retire to his wheelchair uh, and have to leave the Patriots at some point, and they'll have a season or twelve of a losing streak. But you know that has nothing to do with Jesus, but it is a word from the Lord. I I don't know. What I, I mean, you're sitting in a room with two hardcore Patriots fans hardcore. who were both born in Boston. Yeah, and I still think you're good people. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Tom Brady won't be retiring anytime soon. Um, however, yes, I do agree with the principle, even though if I don't agree with, uh, you know, your example about the Patriots, I do agree that, and I'll say it this way for anyone who's taking notes or you're in your car and you need an easy way to remember this. Jesus prepares the disciples for his absence more than he prepares the disciples for his presence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, I know a lot of times we're talking, we want to talk about the presence of God, right? We're trying, we worship so that we can get the presence of God, you know? However, man, if you look at the, the life of Jesus, he doesn't just prepare them for his presence. Obviously, there are angels that are announcing that Jesus is going to be born, and there's a prophetic declaration about his presence. Yeah. But he also prepares them for his absence. And I think as leaders, we always have to be preparing people for our absence. For sure. Okay? We got to be preparing people for the day where we're not... We're not going to be the person doing the slides. We're not going to be the person who's like, you know, doing all the recruiting. We're not going to be the person who's doing all the stuff, right? For sure. And even if I don't leave North Carolina or leave World Overcomers, and I have no intention on leaving either of those two <laughs> places, right? But I, I don't think that I'll be preaching at One Life when I'm 40, right? For sure. <laughs> so I have to be preparing younger leaders, you know, and I think that a lot of times we start the work of preparing when it's too late. Right. It's like you already know you're already kind of gone and now you're scrambling to get people in place to be ready for the fact that you're leaving. And I think that I love the fact that Jesus starts at year one. Many, you know, there's a three year journey that that Jesus is on and he starts discipling, developing, trusting these guys from day one. And are they ready for Jesus to leave? They don't believe they're ready. But they are prepared. Hmm. And um, ready is always a subjective word, but prepared is an objective term. And Jesus doesn't care whether or not they feel ready. He knows he's prepared them. And uh, we've got to prepare all the leaders under us for our absence Hmm. when we're no longer able to do everything that we're able to do. I was talking to a youth pastor recently who, um, when he was younger, before he was married, he was able to go to every football game, go to every basketball game. He was super, super active, like with his teenagers. And then he got married and had kids. And he's not able to do that stuff anymore. And he kind of mm. felt guilty. He kind of felt like, man, I miss when I was able to do this. As leaders, there's always going to be a time where you're not able to do it, what you used to do. It doesn't even mean you have a different position. He's still the youth pastor. Yeah. Right. But a season of his life has changed. And I was encouraging him. Hey, man, there's a leader. There's some 21-year-old that goes to your church, and you know they're missing out on an opportunity to be at that kid's football game. Yeah. There's a heart 
of discipleship and compassion and love that God wants to develop within that new 21-year-old or 22-year-old, and you've got to find them, and you've got to develop them, and you've got to disciple them because God wants to bless them in that way. And um, sometimes we can stop what God wants to do in someone younger than us because we're not committed and convicted around preparing them for our absence. Amen. So That's really good. I hope you guys feel encouraged and are making three, well, one conviction, three commitments. Number one, a commitment to trust. You've got to trust people. Doesn't matter if you've been burned in the past. Doesn't matter if they're not going to do it as well as you do it. You want to equip them, equip them through the dip in quality. Even if you delegate something and there's a dip in quality, you want to trust them through the dip because eventually it's going to not just dip down, but it's going to come back up. It's going to be better than when you used to do it. For sure. And so you want to trust. You want to have a culture of trust. And then you want to have a culture of developing people, a commitment to developing them as leaders, but discipling them as people. Mm -hmm. And then number three, you want to prepare people for when you're gone. You always want that in the back of your mind. You're not going to be doing what you're doing forever, and somebody's got to take your place. That's good. Yeah. Well, to close out the episode, I think the heart behind what we're saying is just don't be selfish. Um, as a leader, as a leader, the last the last thing you want to do is be selfish. And as someone that wants to be led, you have to be open and you have to be receptive. Oh, yeah. Because all of these things, work, all of these points work both ways. You have to be trustworthy if you're going to be trusting. If you're going to be trusted, you have to be open to develop. You have to be open to development and discipleship if you're going to be developed. And Preach, discipled. Jay. Mm-hmm. And you have to be ready to lead. You have to be ready to receive that leadership post. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna be the one that's left behind, that's really good. Um, so we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much, we, guys. I think we hit 25 minutes right on the dot. Boom. So new goal. For, don't forget to subscribe, rate, like, and share. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Boom. Peace. Peace. Peace.